This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here for a fresh agenda where we talk to innovators and entrepreneurs to find out how through the distractions of life do they get at their deepest work. Are you watching the Olympics? Those athletes represent the state of the art in training, equipment and skill. To watch people at the pinnacle of their game is amazing. Within all that innovation, there are things we can all learn and apply to our own lives, which is why I'm so excited to be talking to Darren Rawls. Darren is the most decorated male American downhill and super G skier in history. Seven U.S. national titles, 15 U.S. national podiums, 28 World Cup podiums, 12 World Cup wins, three world championships, and a member of the U.S. ski team in the Vancouver Olympics. Although he's retired from competition, you still see him all over the place. He's training, he's coaching, he's testing. He's going to weigh in on the Olympics this year, as well as share with us how he pivoted those competitive skills into new ventures and businesses. And the United States of America challenging the might of Austria on home snow as Darren Rawls from Truckee in California, the double downhill winner from last season, is making his mark at the right time. For me, the line is clean, the turn is smooth. Darren Rawls goes into top position. Darren Rawls joins me now. And Darren, what do you think of what's going on with the Olympics this year? Uh, the Olympics, it's, it's kind of a, it's been a rough go for the, the alpine skiers because of the, all, the, all the wind and, and postponement to the races. But, you know, it's an outdoor sport and everybody's used to that sort of, that sort of um, you know, weather challenge, I'd say, you know, throughout the season. So it's nothing new. But, um, you know, as far as results go, I mean, there's there's no surprises really on the men's side. What's been happening on the women's side? It's just uh, throughout the season over the last couple of years, and especially coming on the Olympics this year, um, all the top skiers have been like performing in the World Cup, or, or pretty much the ones performing in, in uh, Pyeongchang. I uh, I heard an analyst say that this is kind of a rebuilding year for for the U.S. men's team, particularly with a lot of veterans kind of retiring and out, and a lot of really new young skiers. Plus, I think two of the guys have newborns, which has to you know be challenging with your training schedule. Yeah, um, I mean our two top guys on the speed side, Travis Ganong and Steve Nyman, they uh, recently just had injuries. Travis after Christmas in Borneo, Italy. Uh, torn ACL on his knee and then same thing for Steve Nyman a week out from um from going to South Korea I was in, in Germany in a downhill so the two leaders of the team the guys that put results up and Steven was uh third in the men's downhill in the test event two seasons ago on the same track as they raced on just uh you know two days ago um that was a big loss for the team and then the guys that have been competing you know um They've definitely, there's been a few results in the top 10 over the last couple of years for them, but nothing that consistent and strong this season. So uh, on paper, it was just one of those long shots for them to, to um, do anything. And, you know, now I think I was over there with them in Austria uh, three weeks ago in Kitzbühel and also in Beaver Creek this year and trying to give these guys a little more confidence. I mean, they're great skiers. They put the work in. The only problems are just they haven't, broken through you know and and they're not like uh believing in themselves and the u.s ski team trains with the norwegians and they're competitive with those guys like Sindal and Jansrud who've been on the podium the last two races 
um, with Sindel winning the gold and Yonzer know, getting second or um, actually third in the downhill and and second Super G. So it's to me, it's like that should be build confidence in itself, but they're not putting it together in race day when it counts like the Norwegians have been. But right before I introduced you, I, I played some audio of one of your World Cup wins. And I wanted to know, what is the fastest you've ever been clocked on a pair of skis? In a race in Bangen, Switzerland, um, 150 kilometers an hour or so. It's close to like 93 miles an hour. But that's, uh, I mean, on that, that track in particular, it's um, it's a long downhill. It all depends how you come into a speed. And then the tough thing is like, reacting to the um just the the next few turns at that speed you know but it's a pretty smooth section of course so it's it doesn't seem like it's that fast i mean there's spots where you're going 60 on other tracks that are rough and if you're and you're out of control and you know that's when it feels really quick the speed but it's just something when you drive a car fast you're looking more ahead you're anticipating more and uh aerodynamics plays a big part in it so you just gotta be tight keep the hands up and then you don't have any like you know major like surprises with um, getting knocked around. I've heard some uh, interviews with skiers that say you know when you're when you're going that fast, the lactic acid like builds up in your system to the point it makes you physically ill. Do you feel ill after a race like that, or do you feel exhilarated? Exhilarated for sure. I mean, you definitely in any downhill. I mean, Super G, GS, Slalom. I mean, it's max effort. You don't have it's it's very small like short duration event with the downhills being around two minutes. But um, you are just definitely like, you got so much blood in the legs and a lot of lactic acid been, been built up. But um, those are the moments that, you, you know, you, you put everything on the line. And for me, the most satisfying races or runs were the, those that were all-out efforts and you just fought mentally through the last little bit to hang on because physically you're just completely cashed. And, and um you know, you, you could give in easy. And I think that was my strength in, uh, in my training. I really pushed it hard. So I would never like compete at that physical exertion level. And so I knew when I was racing that no matter how much it hurt, um, at the bottom, I could still keep fighting through and had something in the tank and make it cross the line. And I liked feeling like I was completely just empty with any energy, you know, left at the cross the finish line, just that way, you know, you left it on the hill and you skied hard. You're a few years younger than me, but tell me how your training changed from the beginning of your career up until you retired from actually racing. How did your diet change? How did your um, your physical training change? Well, that was a that was a big learning curve for everybody on the U.S. ski team. Um, it was a training aspect and and really focusing on, on um Later in my career, like focusing more on recovery and intensity when I'm actually on the snow. But uh, say, for example, we would go down to Portillo, Chile. That was like our training venue in in um, late August, September. And the Austrians would be there as well. And we would put in maybe a few more runs on the hill. Then we'd go play like a game like soccer or basketball and do a lift. And the Austrians would be a few less runs, like really high intensity. And then they go right to the spin bike and just, recover and, and um do these recovery sessions and make, basically allow themselves to maximize their time on snow and be fresh as they could be for the next day and that's uh i mean you're living at nine thousand feet and you're up to like over eleven thousand feet skiing so just the elevation was was taxing itself but over the years we kind of like 
started catching on and we would take lactic acid tests a bunch um glucose levels in the morning every day we woke up to see kind of where our um you know body was was at and um we're just as far as nutrition and and our recovery sessions and so i was like it was much more focused later in my career it's in the last four years of racing um where i did a lot more recovery sessions or every day I would recover from skiing and then rest was a big deal and and you see like it was just uh i mean michaela Schifrin, she's a, a huge workhorse and and she focuses a lot on recovery and you know even like like i don't know if you caught that at these olympics but between runs and the gs she took a nap and those are playing same thing in foam um she sleeps 10 hours a night and she takes like in normal training days she takes up to a two-hour nap during the day so um just really focusing on like pushing as hard as you can eating well and recovery that definitely changed over the course of my career and, and with the u.s ski team and same giant fall we'd have a we have a big sprinter van at the bottom and we'd jump into that and have a spin bike with the oxygen tank just to kind of like help replenish and um revive the body you know um as far as recovery between runs so it was it was a big attention to detail and and um that's kind of i'm working with a lot of youth right now and um up at sugar bowl resort where i ski there's a there's a ski racing academy up there like i went i grew up in california went back to vermont to go to a specific ski racing academy because there's nothing out here in the west and and now it's nice to be able to like pass on my knowledge you know to the younger generation up here in my home resort and i was just also up at big sky with a U16 Western Region camp put on by the US ski team. We had 60 athletes from all over the, the far uh, the west, western part of the US, and and just helping out with tactics and speed skills. And the biggest thing is the, you know, just how you manage your time and and um, recover and and mental imagery too. That's another big aspect that a lot of people, a lot of athletes, even at the high level, don't do enough of. Right. I mean, I've heard about that before, the mental imagery and, and you know, I, and, and how it's done. But I mean, would you actually have like yoga sessions or or um, sessions with a, a, a guided imagery coach? Yes, we had a sports psychologist that was hired by the USC team. And and he would say, um, I remember pretty clearly, like we were at the US Olympic Training Center down Chula Vista, just close to San Diego. And um, just we all is um, after a training session, we all kind of just you know, laid down, closed our eyes, and he just kind of went through the whole kind of, I mean, we had to follow him, his words, you know, just tensing up a part of the body, like set with the feet and go up the calves, the legs, and I mean, face and hands, and it was a way to kind of just like, just release the tension and feel like you're sinking in the floor, and, and you have to learn how to, you know, use, be able to do quick, um, I guess, uh, meditation just to relax yourself, put yourself in a happy place, so to say, and then, and then really ramp yourself up, you know, for, for competition. I mean, this, that you can go one minute or two minutes, you can go through that a quick process to relax, get yourself, you know, good, like a uh, state of mind. And then really kind of like just starting like the, the blood pumping, you know, and, and just through your head. And I, I, I definitely put a lot of time into watching video and, and, um, reviewing kind of the courses and how I want to ski them. And, and then you transfer that in your own head and, and really focus on 
like you know what it feels like to ski and yeah i'd break it down and think about it but then ultimately for me it was, it was best just to feel it and then i've always been kind of a feeler and and use that um the emotion and feel like feelings to to get myself in that prime prime spot tell me what is the difference as a competitor with the world cup courses and the olympic courses explain to me a little bit about the difference well, uh, the World Cup courses, in the most part, are more challenging. They're, um, you know, it's the top level of uh, races are com- com- keep competing uh, through the whole season. The Olympics, the Olympics are they're not the most challenging race hills that we have on the, you know, compared to like the rest of the season. Um, one because there's so many other countries that come in to participate in the Olympics and need to have a little less challenging, so to say. But, um, you know, they would never have an Olympic Games on Kitzbühel in the strife. And that's like the ultimate um, downhill in my eyes, like the most challenged, most risky, highest consequences. Um, they just, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a place that they picked to put the Olympic downhill track on. And I mean, it's not, I'm not like, uh, I don't take any away from the Olympics, but because they still are challenged. This is a great track that they're on. It's, um, there's a lot of like terrain. There's some good jumps and it really, it's really demanding turns. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, there's four athletes per nation that can race in the Olympics as opposed to say the Austrians in my time, there was like 12 Austrians. They're so strong racing the world cup. And I was even in one race in, in, um, in Austria, it felt like the, the Austrian national championships where I was ninth. I was the first non-Austrian in the race <laughs> and at ninth place. And there was a, they're so strong then. And, and to have a, a world cup race on your know, home turf and, and be that dominant, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, no one's ever even touched that, you know, any other nation and uh, buddy Miller. I, what do you attribute that to? Um, I mean, it's just ski racing is just the sport in Austria for, for, um, winter sports. And it's a very small nation, but they're, that's what they have. They really like, they own that in a way. And there's, you know, every kid has opportunity to ski growing up. I mean, it's like, it's free skiing for young kids in school and all that, you know, subsidized by the government. And, um, it's, it's very easy for a kid to get involved in the sport. Whereas in the U S it's just, there's so much more competition and other things to do. And geographically, like, you have to live in like little certain places or travel to ski in the United States, but it's just so expensive. I mean, it's crazy how much more expensive skiing is in the U S compared to in Europe. I, um, I saw you, I watched a video of you skiing something called devil's thumb. It it looked 90 degrees to me. Have you ever been nervous before doing a a big run like that? Yeah. Well, that was, that was my first year filming with Teton gravity research and I was out in Alaska and, you know, I kind of came in a couple of days later and I had the last pick on the line to choose from. You guys have seen it a couple of days and I, I picked one that no one else considered and it was a little risky, but I've always liked that, you know, having to step up to, to more demanding challenges and just feels good, good when you, you pull it off. But I actually, you know, I was a little surprised and yeah, I, with uh, like filming and going up to the big mountains, um, you ski, you don't have a chance to, get on that slope and to check it out and whereas a downhill track it's still there's high consequences but you get to see every inch of that you slip you slip down of an inspection you get to 
get a rehearse exactly where you're going to be, you know, what the snow conditions are like. And, and there's no risk of say, you know, big slide or, or, or dry dock on the rocks, which I did and that, on the devil's thumb, like there was rocks were just covered by snow and I've been hitting rocks and putting out of control. So it's, uh, there, there's a lot of risk in, in both, you know, racing and, and, um, big mountain skiing, but you do everything you can to, to take calculated risk. But at the end of the day, like you want to be safe. On the other hand, like you, I like to feel, you know, that risk because it makes you feel alive and maybe just, uh, just really like being in the present moment. That's what I've always kind of looked to do. Like I, I race motocross now, like off-road racing and that's kind of puts me in the same sort of mindset as, as downhill racing so it's um always looking for a fix i guess <laughs> that, those feelings right well so the answer is no you haven't been nervous <laughs> when looking downhill at a, at a, at a run ever well that's amazing that that video was amazing to watch how you came out of that yeah i mean i definitely took a hit and it was it was not fun but yeah i was able to keep skiing um you know i think that the more challenge that you face and the more fear there is, like I've always, I've been fearful. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's, I've been scared. Well, moments, but that you really focus, you hyper-focus more and, and you really like pick it apart and like, okay, where can I risk it? Where do I need to like be smart and back off a little bit? But it puts you in, I mean, you have to be hundred percent in the game or, or, you know, in that moment. And you rely on the skills that you've you've um, you've acquired over a lot of training and and you know mental confidence, like going back to that mental imagery. Just like I see a line like that, and I'd ski to my head a number of times, especially in racing. Like ski probably ten ten times in my mind before I'd even like race it physically. So you have a little more of a comfort level and know what to expect. Then you just let loose and you know try and stick your game plan and and make your uh, you know, make adjustments as you're going down. So I know that you have applied what you learned in skiing to motocross because you're doing that now. So you've applied it to another sport, but how have you applied what you learned through all your years skiing to other areas of your life? Well, um, you know, just, I think to be a professional athlete, you have to look at all the details and put the, the best package together. You know, you possibly can and, and have the right people around you and, and, uh, you know, be very appreciative of what you have and, and thank people, you know, for putting the time in. Cause there's a lot more than just one, there's a ski racer, just a ski racer, you know, there's a huge team behind and that. And I think, uh, I've, after making the transition from racing and the ski cross and then big mountain free skiing, I want to do something where I brought like, uh, you know, people together and, and have fun doing what I like to do. And so I stepped in to make the event promoter role and, Put together this Ralph's Bonsai series where it's um four at a time head to head you know racing out of, a, out of a gate it drops and it's kind of like motocross on skis it's all natural terrain and to me it, it showcased who the best you know skier or snowboarder was in the mountain and um it was just it was grassroots and it was um it was just pure and to me I wanted to focus on the event and the and the participants like the athletes that show up and and you know just again going back to like what I needed as an athlete like I wanted to give to them and 
and competition is i was telling my kids this actually this morning like because michaela schiffer she just she didn't medal in slalom her best event and um it was a huge surprise she's a total favorite and she had these crazy nerves at the top i didn't see what the second run um but i know she kind of just broke down you know just emotionally at the bottom and i mean that's what competition does to you when you put that much effort into something it means so much to you that uh you know there's huge high moments and there's really low moments like just you just get crushed devastated but that's uh the emotional swings the feelings is kind of ultimately what you live for because uh you just you're you're so present and everything just it's just there you know at that moment and and um you shouldn't be afraid of of like having challenges that you might fail at just you never know go out and try and sometimes it's not your day and unfortunately it wasn't Michaela's day but she's a true champion of any other you know sense of the word after everything you went through and now being a father does the the role of mentor and coach and kind of one of the older guys does that feel very natural to you do you like that do you like talking to young olympians yeah for sure i, I definitely like that mentor role and and you know i don't try and press it on anybody except for my kids i guess but becoming a dad you learn to share more of your experiences like you're pretty i mean you're really selfish you know it's a when you're an athlete to be the best in the world and and you're taking from so many people you have to learn to share too i mean um my teammates like we would feed off each other and and coaches you know like we work off each other and even like competitors that i was up against like from other nations like they maybe become better as a, as an athlete because you know i see the work they're putting in and, and if they're excelling at something like i want to like try and like outdo them it was like good so that's a motivator and and i'd like to be able to pass on to youth and and just maybe give them some tips to like shorten the, the process a little bit like you know simple like there's so many little simple things i mean you're on the hill like bring a water ball up there like take a sip of water every run like stay hydrated that's going to keep you you know from you know getting you know fatigue quick you know quicker and it's just um, the mental aspect, maybe like the line tactics. I really studied line, and that's what you have to do in downhill. Is you work with gravity. You know, we don't have a throttle or you know to twist or step on go faster. You gotta generate speed through air, the gravity, how clean you're skiing, the edges on the snow, and then and then aerodynamics and and the line, like the tactics you take, like racing cars or something like that. It's a huge advantage so um yeah being able to pass that stuff along to to others and and just maybe help them out give them like a little shortcut or let them know what's proven you know for me i know it's i mean i try a lot of different things but then it comes down to the right package you know like everybody's a little different and something that works a little bit better with somebody else than the other person so you have to like be willing to try a lot of different things and like then take note like write little things down like that work that don't work and then you start kind of like years of that then it just becomes more automatic you just kind of know you just you know your routine you know your approach 
one of the um, something you put on social media, I think it was on your Instagram account. It was really touching. It was about the passing of Warren Miller. And for a lot of people who aren't in the ski world, his films were about the only exposure they had to some of um, the most amazing feats and amazing skiers in the world. What did he mean to uh, the ski world in terms of uh, uh, the ultimate ambassador for the sport? Yeah, so Warren Miller, I mean, he, he exposed the sport to millions of people. And, and um, it was like a ritual for many, you know, like families and people just, that's how you start off the ski season by going to Warren Miller film and, and um, he was just so genuine and true to the sport and loved it, you know, as a skier himself. And, and Filmer wanted to bring adventure and and um, love of the sport to to the public eye. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, just he's been just such an iconic part of the sport that, that uh, you know, I mean, everybody gets older, stuff like that, and things move you know, people pass away and move on, but it's, it's a little shocker. Wow, like Warren Miller himself is not around anymore, you know. And, and uh, I mean, he just he brought a lot of fun to it, too, you know. There's a lot of, like, he brought the kind of the bloopers of skiing, uh, getting off the chairlift or some crashes here and there. But it's just, you know, I mean, people want to, like, be entertained and, and have a good laugh, but also, like, see just amazing performance and in you know, just incredible areas, like when the conditions are just right. And, I mean, you film year-round to get a good segment, a good part in a movie, and, and it takes so much time. And, you know, that's that's great, but that's like the accumulation of so many days on the hill um, to get just the right shots. But, you know, if, if you just live for those days, like you wouldn't ski, be skiing much. And to me, skiing is like going out there every day, no matter, you know, what the conditions are like it's windy or raining or dumping snow or bluebird skies, rock hard snow. I just go out there and ski. And that's, I mean, it's been tough here in California the last couple of years. And this season has been just really difficult, but I mean, I wish people would just, just go. They don't, they don't, you don't know until you go skiing to what the conditions are like. And there's some good snow to be had. It's actually so good for young kids and intermediates and all the way up to like, I mean, everybody, because, um, you have to learn how to put an edge in the snow when the snow is harder, you know. And my kids are ten years old now, and they they could see anything on the mountain because they've had exposure to even the worst days out there. And and they're not just I, make, I try and make sure they're not fair weather skiers. <laughs> but what are you proudest of professionally as you look back on your career? Uh, proudest moment for skiing, just um, I guess. Just the run I had for a few years of just being very competitive, always like getting in the gate, knowing that I could, I can compete with you know the, the top level, and you you end up being like it's pretty amazing when you put that much time in and you have that confidence in yourself and what you're able to like put yourself through like. Um, so I just I guess more just a than result is just more like the feeling of just being so confident be able to push it and um you almost feel like you know nothing can go wrong you might screw up a turn or be a little off that day and not the fastest skier out there but just to you know have the opportunity to be skiing and, and i always get in a start yeah like you know what there's been so much prep on this hill like hunt, i mean thousands of man hours on this hill just to get just right and i get a chance to go as fast as i can down it and 
that was like the ultimate challenge. I mean, whenever I got in the start gate and, and the test and I, I, I try to find out what I was made of every time. And I think that was kind of, I was, I stayed healthy. I was able to put a good rundown for a few years racing and, and that, that felt really good. Wow. Well, there are um, lots of hours of amazing footage of you online. Uh, anywhere else where people can reach out and either contact you or learn more about you and learn more about your career or your recent projects? Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's some stuff that you just, you just uh, search on YouTube. And there's some, like, I mean, I've had pretty one pretty exciting crash in my career. And that's that's uh, online. That's from Adelbone, Switzerland, GS. And then I think some of my... You know, moments I get skiing at Bormio, Italy, um, Beaver Creek, and Vangen, like, you know, there's some good stuff just on YouTube, but, you know, and then what I'm trying to do now, just trying to, like, I spend a lot of time in the ski industry working on new design and working at Atomic and Giro and designing new, like, helmets or skis, boots, bindings, and now I'm much more in, like, big mountain, kind of, like, or ski touring, like, I'm going on the backcountry and getting off the resort and, and exploring more and, I don't know, just kind of daily, like once in a while, throw up something on Instagram and just uh, show what I'm doing these days. But it's been fun. Love it. I saw you testing a new ski suit. You tested the ski suit for the Olympic team, right? Yeah, and again, opportunities like that. Like I've put a lot of time in the wind tunnels just for myself and testing a spider in the, in the years past for, for when I was an athlete and then I needed somebody to test the new speed suit that they're working on for the Olympics this year. and. And, um, yeah, like to be involved in that and to help out with any advantage that we can gain, um, for our team, team USA is, is I'm there, you know, I want to help out and, and try and add to that. That's awesome. Well, the most decorated male American downhill and super G skier in history, Darren Rolfs, thank you for spending time with us today and giving us some insight into your life and career. Uh, thank you, Christina. I appreciate it. So great to speak with Darren Rawls today. And I really enjoyed hearing his insights on this year's Olympics and his interactions with the Olympic team before they headed to South Korea. I love talking to people like Darren about their methods because people who've reached the pinnacle of their careers always have something interesting to share. I think that applies to all of us in some way. And something that Darren said that really spoke to me was when he talked about having to work with gravity. When you're going downhill, it's not like you have a, a throttle, like when you're racing. You have to learn to work with gravity. And I think life is like that. There are forces that will act upon us that we have to learn how to traverse. And, you know, just like in skiing, you have to prepare as well as you can. You have to pick your line. You have to look down that scary hill and you have to take the plunge and just do it because wonderful things can happen. So thanks for being here for a fresh agenda. Really appreciate you uh, checking in. Hope you check out some of the other back episodes. If you have a, a comment or suggestion or you just want to reach out, please do so. You can find me on my website, ChristinaMendonca.com. Thanks again for being here and let's stay connected. This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.